2: Welcome in to Beth the Edge on this Wednesday, June 9th. Thank you to those of you watching on our brand new NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Von Dalzell, the prop master, he's gonna join us where he's looking tonight in game two of the Nuggets and the Suns plus the finals MVP wagers he's on that you might want to be as well. Will Gray, he's going to take us through some long shots on the links this weekend, plus who you should be wagering on right now for the U.S. Open next weekend before you lose some value and, of course, edge of the day. All that and more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet.
3: Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley for the love of home.
4: Sarah and I appreciate you listening to Bet the Edge. Please rate the pod. And if you're not a daily subscriber, do the right thing and sign up now. Remember, Bet the Edge. We'll give you all the information you need for your wages every day, all in about 25 minutes. And, Sarah, can you please share with the good people where they can reach out to us on social media?
2: Yes, find us on Twitter. Hit us up. I always say let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about and attack in the betting space, or even if you want to just talk about anything else, maybe we'll throw it in there in the sports sphere. So hit us up on Twitter. You can find Corey, of course, at the Fantasy Exec, and I am at Sarah Perlman. And we start this show, as always, with a little bit of line movement something we're tracking and looking at. And for me, I like to start in the NBA. Edge of the day is a different story. I start here with the Suns and the Nuggets. I'll attack this first. I'm looking at the total. It's 222 and a half. This has ticked up. It opened at 221 and a half. Some early money in line movement. And that's where my initial thought takes us in this game. The Nuggets overs have hit in seven of the last 10. And if you look at the first game, it was actually on track in the first half to well over hit the over. It ended up did hitting the over, but barely. But it's strictly just because I think of a mismatch in this game. Whether you like Denver or you like Phoenix, I just think this is a good spot for a lot of points to be scored, adjustments to be made. I think it's going to be a faster-paced game. When I look at the way these two teams have matched up in their last eight games, the over has been 6-1-1. One, and one. For me, the only thing I like is taking this point total, throwing unders out the window for this series. I'm going over 222 and a half, Corey. I know your edge of the day is going to be on the side, but in terms of the total... Does anything stand out to you in the one NBA game for
4: tonight? I think you kind of nailed it. I think you hit it on the head when you look at this series right here. And really, I'm not a guy that likes to bet unders, particularly in the postseason when the game slows down. But when you look at this Denver Nuggets team, six and one to the over so far this postseason, this low 220 range, they play above that. So I do like the over in this one. The only way i don't think the over comes in is if the Suns really lock down on defense and get a big performance and go up 2-0 on the Nuggets. So, We'll see about how that happens, but I do like the, the over in this game right here, so I think we're on the right side on that one.
2: Nuggets, of course, coming off of a loss, trying to even the series. And when the Nuggets are coming off of a loss this season, the over 18, 8, and 1, I think they throw defense a little bit out of the window and know they're going to have to keep up offensively with this Suns team. Now, that's the line I'm looking at. And I know something you're kind of looking at has to do with a major sports story that has just taken over the media over the last few weeks, and it's Julio Jones. And of course, he is now in the Tennessee Titans, and that's shifted odds, of course, uh, for Ryan Tannehill to win MVP. but the future market has really moved in a lot of different ways so what's something that you're kind of tracking and maybe that's that you're making in terms of julio jones and uh, the futures market
4: first let's start off right here i think i have a better chance to win the mvp than ryan Tannehill. to be honest with you but listen let's throw the tennessee titans to make the playoffs right now at minus 150 to miss the playoffs at plus 120 to win the division at plus 110 to win the division that division belongs to the indianapolis colts now when it comes to the playoffs Listen, the AFC has a big four teams. And when I say a big four, I'm gonna include the Colts in that. I think the Colts are a very good team. So you have Kansas City, you have Baltimore, you have um, you you have the Chiefs, you have the Ravens, you have the Bills, and then now you have the Colts. And then so where's the other three teams come from? I think the Chargers are a playoff team. I think the Patriots are a playoff team. I people, a lot of people like the Cleveland Browns to be a playoff team this year. I don't know if there's enough space for the Tennessee Titans. So I think Tennessee does not miss the playoffs this year. So I would take the plus 120. I'll take the plus money and they will not make the playoffs. And then when you come to the team that traded Julio Jones, Atlanta Falcons, where he's been forever, it's a new 12, it's a new 11 in Atlanta and his name is Trey Young, not Julio Jones. But listen, to win the division plus 800, not going to happen. To miss the playoffs, to make the playoffs at plus 225. I don't see the Falcons being a playoff team. So I guess that to miss the playoffs at minus 278 is the right way to go. But that's juice to the guards right now. So no reason to really hop on that. So I do think that the Tennessee Titans could be left out the playoffs this year. I really don't think that adding Julio Jones really is a big deal for this Titan offense.
2: Yeah, I do kind of side with you there. The AFC is so loaded. So plus 120 for the Titans to miss the playoffs. We're going to stay with Julio Jones and actually expand this combo a little bit because, of course, Von Dalzell, the prop master, and we'll get into some props for tonight. I know he has a feel on Julio Jones and in terms of what he can accomplish this season with his new team. So as it stands and you start looking at the prop market surrounding, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the game for quite some time, Von, what are you kind of targeting in Julio Jones's 2021 season?
5: Well, I had to sip some water after listening to Corey, and you guys talk about the Titans not making the playoffs. Wow. I mean, that's the first – you guys are some of the first people I've heard to say that so far, but I actually don't hate that either. I will say the Titans' offense outside of Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio is very bleak, and it's not going to be looking very good for them this year. So what I do target is Julio Jones over five-and-a-half touchdowns. Now, six touchdowns is not asking too much for Julio Jones. Last year, obviously – was a career low for him with three touchdowns, also a career low in games played. Um, 2013 and 2017 were the last times he put up numbers similar to last year, but he has scored six or more touchdowns in seven of his 10 years. He is Julio Jones, and as I just spoke on, the depth at wide receiver in tight end for Tennessee is not good. They just lost John Smith to New England, which is not being talked about enough. He accounted for eight touchdowns last year, and Tannehill had 11 multi-touchdown games, so – I'm really looking at who's going to be catching touchdowns outside of A.J. Brown because Derrick Henry is not a receiving back, so it has to be Julio Jones. If it isn't, like you guys said, the Titans are probably not making the playoffs.
2: Vaughn, I'm going to interrupt you really quickly. Right now, that's minus 143 for the over five and a half touchdowns. That number is going to be minus 200 plus by the time the season starts. I love this play. I love this play.
4: Yeah, no doubt. You. That is interesting. I think health is going to be critical for what Julio Jones is able to do this year because he's going into a new situation. It's not Atlanta. He actually has to practice yeah. throughout the course of the week to pick up and learn the offense. And I don't know if his body can allow that. You know, at this stage, you know, Good a 32 year old wide receiver at that size, you know, those guys get beat up quickly. But Vaughn, let me know how was this? How was the atmosphere last night in Philadelphia for Game Two of the uh, of the Hawks? In the um in the in the in the in the seventy sixes, I saw my guy little baby sitting courtside down there. Yeah, out there representing the Hawks. But right now for the series price, <laughs> Philadelphia big lead minus two thirty five. The Hawks coming back at plus one ninety. And listen, I'm like, the Hawks are a rough little bunch. they they're they not really out of this thing yet. Yeah,
5: certainly not out of it. I wouldn't say that at all. I do think this is the Sixer series to lose. Now, this number was like one thirty yesterday, around one forty range on some books. Now it's minus two thirty five after the win that we all thought were coming or was coming, and the atmosphere last night was rocking inside of Wells Fargo. I'll tell you, the loudest it got all night was when Shake Milton came in and started making it rain, and that was the most important factor because I was talking a lot around me to people, and I was saying that. The Sixers do not have any bench scoring right now in the first half, and the Hawks were hanging around. That was the key. Second half, it all changed. Dwight Howard shaking. All these guys stepped up. That was a Sixers team we expected to see. Of course, Joel Embiid playing like the MVP. He got the news that Jokic got it, and he said, you know what? This is what an MVP looks like. So he went out and did his thing. He's averaging over a point per minute right now. So that is elite. I love what he's been doing. So I certainly think this is the Sixers series. I like them in six. I think the Hawks will steal one here in the next two games. But uh, Philadelphia's defense with Ben Simmons and Tybalt on Trey Young was the difference. And I think that's what's going to be the difference moving forward is uh, holding Trey Young in check because he is mostly what the Hawks are this season.
2: Well, Vaughn, bettors and the sportsbook clearly agree that it is a Sixers series to lose. You look after Mm -hmm. game one, the 76ers still a favorite even losing, minus 135. The Hawks plus 115. After last night, as you pointed out, the Sixers minus 235 and the Hawks plus 190 to win this series. I do think the Sixers take care of business in this one. Okay. In terms of tonight, we're always looking to get in action, probably in a derivative prop market. You are the prop master. So tell me which player you are targeting and eyeing to make some money on tonight.
5: So I'm going back on DeAndre Ayton tonight. Now he's 14 and a half on points bet at the minus 134. He's been eating uh, this postseason in general is what really caught me by surprise because he's leading the NBA in field goal percentage at 77%. That's elite. In all four games against Denver this season, he scored 17 or more points uh, in those games, 20-plus in three of four, including game one. Um, against L.A., I got beat on him in the last two games because he only averaged eight points per game and five rebounds in games six and seven. Uh, but games one through four, he averaged tw- nearly 20 points and 13.5 rebounds. Uh, And he certainly looked reminiscent of that in game one against the Nuggets. He's been Nikola Jokic's kryptonite so far this season. Um, The projection got him right around that 14 mark. When you get him at 35 minutes, he played 36 in game one, 36 in the series against the Lakers on average. When he gets to that 35-minute mark, he's at a 75% hit rate to scoring 15 or more points. And when he plays beyond that, it goes over 80%. So what I'm saying is if he plays normal 36 minutes tonight, he has an 83 percent chance or better, uh, according to what he's done this season, of that minute total to get it done at the 15 points tonight needed. So I like eight and over 14 and a half again, up to 15 and a half for one unit as well. Because, like I said, 17 or more in all four, he has something against Nikola Jokic, and uh, he just hasn't admitted to what it is yet.
4: That's interesting. <laughs> That's good stuff, right there. Especially when you break down how the percentages roll with the with the minutes played. Let's let's get on and let's let, let's hop into the. Finals MVP uh, market, Mm. and I'll be honest with you, the fact that Kevin Durant is like the leader is has the shortest odds to win the Finals MVP scares me because I could not, I don't know how I would stomach the Brooklyn Nets having a parade in New York's Canyon, the heroes. That's not a New York team; they don't belong have, they don't deserve to have a parade there. So they cannot win the championship. With that being said, though, right now we're looking at Durant as plus one seventy for Finals MVP. The Brooklyn Nets to win the championship is plus 105. So really, Mm -hmm. you're getting the better number on Durant to win the MVP. So I do like that.
5: Yeah, and I like the point that you made there because that certainly factors into betting on Durant as well because you're getting the better number. Now, his odds opened up around 600, 650 on most books uh, when the NBA playoffs began. And that's because LeBron James, Steph Curry, and a couple of these guys were still in the running. And now that they're not, we all know who the best player in the NBA is, and he's showing up in the playoffs, and that's Kevin Durant in my opinion. He's averaging 32 in the playoffs, and much to what I just said about DeAndre Ayton and a little bit about Joel Embiid about how they're getting their shots and shooting so well, Kevin Durant is doing that right now. This guy's splits are 55% from the field, 50% from three, and 91% from the free throw line in the playoffs. That is ridiculous. No James Harden. This guy's going to get it done night in and night out. I think he's a 30-piece a 30-burger, 30 30-nugget, 30 whatever you want to call it. He's going over 30 almost every single night. So I certainly think Kevin Durant is going to do this. He has two NBA Finals already in his in his uh, wardrobe, and two of those were supposed to be Steph Curry's, arguably. Uh, you know, I mean, Steph Curry won. Could, hasn't won one at all in his career, thanks to Andre Iguodala and Kevin Durant. Durant is obviously chasing LeBron James's legacy playing in this era. He lost LeBron once. LeBron has four Finals MVPs. Kevin Durant can win a third, Without going through LeBron James, how ideal is that? So I certainly like the Nets' spot here to win the NBA Finals, to make it, and Kevin Durant to win the Finals MVP. Call it a trio. I'm three-piecing it.
2: Hi, right. relax. <laughs> we have a New York Knicks fan over there that is not happy. Um, Kevin Durant, as you said, around thirty, a thirty piece, as you call it, averaging thirty-two points a game in the playoffs. He's surely familiar with being on the biggest stage and winning this award. He's a two-time NBA Finals MVP, back with the Golden State Warriors in twenty seventeen and eighteen. Uh, I love that look, strictly because I like the Brooklyn Nets, and I think if you like the Nets, you're getting a better number at plus 170 for the MVP than the Nets to win at plus 105. Certainly. Let's move into baseball. And my edge of the day will be in baseball. It's not a strikeout prop, but I know that you are targeting a what? strikeout prop, the one bright spot on the Detroit Tigers. So where <laughs> are you going? Where is the value lying in tonight's game?
5: Yeah, anytime I talk about the Detroit Tigers, it's an absolute fate of this team. Uh, but for the first time all season, Let's we're riding with Detroit. Yeah, we're spinning it. It's time to, in my opinion. Now, I I missed out on this in the last time because he played against the White Sox, and I like this over four-and-a-half strikeout prop there. I rolled with the White Sox pitcher instead. Uh, Mize did it the over. So now it marks four straight games. Casey Mize is at the over four-and-a-half or five-and-a-half strikeout prop. The five-and-a-half is plus 115 on points bet right now. So you're getting a nice return there also. Uh, Last time he faced the Seattle Mariners – he set a career high for innings, batters faced, and strikeouts. So certainly it's impressive. With a young guy like him, it's it's interesting to see how he goes up against a team that he's already faced. So I went and checked those stats. And against teams he's already played this year, he's done phenomenal. The Royals, he only lasted four 4.2 innings in his first start against them. He went over that in strikeouts. He went four and six. Better than the first one, he went six and six innings, longer than the first one. Same thing with the White Sox, six innings and six strikeouts. He went six innings, or seven innings, excuse me, and six strikeouts in the second one. So a young pitcher doing well against the teams that he's already faced. He gets the Mariners again, a lineup that he's trashed, and he's also averaging 1.1 strikeouts over his last three games per inning. That number is 0.83 on the season. So he's playing a lot better right now, and Seattle is not doing well in a rough patch. The Tigers also 4-2 and two in his last six starts. So they are hot when Mize is on the mound. So I do like it for the first time all year.
2: You are speaking to the strikeout prop lover. It's me in terms mm-hmm. of the prop market. This is great. I mean, the Mariners have been no hit twice this season. So if you like a strikeout prop, they strike out one of the most in Major League Baseball. Love your Casey Mize look. Vaughn, thank you so much. You could follow Vaughn on Twitter at sports. Check out all of his plays and his content available to everyone on NBCSportsEdge.com. Thanks, Vaughn.
5: Thank you, guys.
2: Transition into golf a little bit. We'll get back to baseball at the end of the show in about 10 minutes. But for now, we bring in Will Gray. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesdays with Will. And my guy loves to give some long shots and plays. We're also going to touch on the US Open. Well, let's start with the Palmetto Championship, and we know a lot of players are really using this if they are playing uh, to get ready for the U.S. Open. But that, I think, means that we could find some value in some longer shots because we could definitely make a case that this is not the most competitive or star strutted tournament uh, at Congaree. So as it stands, when you're looking for a long shot, Will, or maybe some value coming up for this weekend, who are you trying to target here?
6: Yeah, Sarah, I'm still trying to get over the visual of Corey blockading the Canyon of Heroes to prevent <laughs> the <without> Nets. <having> a <laughs> celebration. It's just a one-man army trying to hold back the masses. We'll see if we get there in a couple of weeks. But you're right. This is, this is not the most loaded field ever. We've got the U.S. Open on deck next week. A lot of guys are resting up. You've got Dustin Johnson, Brooks Koepka are the two main headliners at the top of the market. They're deserved co-favorites. But I'm looking a little bit further down the list, and I'm really looking at guys who have some ties either to this course or to this area. It's a brand new course. It's only been in existence for four years. Not a lot of players have even seen it before this week. But one guy that I think is trending in the right direction is Patton Kazire. He's a plus 4000 at points bet and he is coming off a pair of T3 finishes in Texas. I know he missed the cut. Last week at the Memorial, but I really think that his game is trending in the right direction. This is a wide open course. They they built it to play like the Australian sand belt. So you're not going to see any rough. You're going to see a ton of sand and a wide miss area off the tee. So guys are going to be able to hit a bunch of drivers it's a very long course and the emphasis is going to be on iron play and putting Patton kazire is 12th this season in strokes game putting he's gonna be able to deal with the undulations on the greens he's won twice before on the pga tour and i think that in a field that has a lot of guys that aren't in the us open he could stand out as a potential winner
4: oh uh, good stuff now tell you about uh you'll be down here in the low country this weekend not too far from me Will tell me about uh, jt posting coming in at 80 to one on his odds, obviously, next weekend is the big the big weekend. But, you know, got a little warm-up action this weekend. What do we think?
6: Yeah, JT Poston is definitely another guy that's on my radar. We just had 36-hole qualifiers for the U.S. Open on Monday. Poston was one of those guys who punched his ticket to Torrey Pines in a 36-hole qualifier in Columbus. He flew over to to Congaree. Several of the guys that made the U.S. Open decided they didn't want to play this week. But he's one that had, still has this circled on his calendar. He knows this course. He's been tweeting since February and March about how excited he is to get to this course and get to see it on a national stage. He is from North Carolina, got his one tour victory, you know, a little bit up the road from there in Greensboro. And he's another guy that, that really tends to be hit or miss, but when he's on, he can get really good. Remember he went 72 holes bogey free when he won the Wyndham a couple years ago and just shot 10 under for 36 holes on Monday in Columbus. So I got him at 101 earlier this week. He's at 80 to one. I still think there's some value there, but he's definitely a guy that has those ties to this area and ties to this course specifically. I think that's going to be a big key.
2: Brooks Kepka, DJ, they're the clear favorite, coming up 8-1 to to win the Palmetto Championship. But when I look at their U.S. Open odds, they're sitting around 14-1. to Whether they do great or poorly, how do you think the Palmetto Championship will affect their odds come next week?
6: I think that Kepka is in a position where he could shorten for next week if he puts up a really good result. Remember, he has a tendency to play pretty mm-hmm. well, The week before majors last year, he finished T2 in Memphis before the PGA The year before that he was fourth at the Nelson again before the PGA. So it's wild to think that he was 50 to one for the PGA championship a couple weeks ago. Now he's at 14 to one chasing only John Rahm at 10 to one. I think if he plays well or even if he wins this week, we could definitely be looking at him as breaking away from this pack that's currently there at 14 to one that includes guys like Speed. Bryson and Dustin Johnson. I think DJ has a few more question marks about his game. He really hasn't been the same guy since about February. So, so one good performance might be looked at with a grain of salt. Whereas Kepka, you're going to look at it and piece it together with that runner up finish at Kiowa and say, okay, we're back to major championship Brooks Kepka just in time for another big test of Torrey Pines.
4: So you mentioned John wrong, right? 10 to 1 for next week. He's quarantining right now.
6: He is. He is uh, not a great place to be as you're trying to uh, get ready for a major championship. But he you know, we we talked so much about the the memorial and he was up by six and had to withdraw because he tested positive for covid. So the isolation rules have him out for 10 days, uh, which would take him through Tuesday of next week. It would leave him with only one day of prep for a, a big tournament on a course where he is currently the betting favorite. He's won there before, has an outstanding track record at Torrey Pines. If he's able to test negative twice, I think separated by 24 hours, he could potentially shorten that isolation. I'm very uh, interested in the interview schedule, frankly, to see where the USJ places him on the interview schedule. I think that's going to tell a lot about how much time he's going to have to prepare. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see. He was already going to be a big storyline entering the week. But given all the drama that we had at the Memorial last week and how he basically won the tournament without getting the trophy, I think he's going to be one of, if not the biggest storylines.
2: Excited to see how this plays out for John Rahm from Points PointsBet. They did let us know as of now, Will Zalatoris, Tony Finau, Xander—they are the most bet as of now for the U.S. Open. Patrick Reed is the biggest liability, and we'll get into that uh, next Tuesday at noon because Will and myself will be on NBC Sports Edge's YouTube channel doing going for the green, covering all of the bets, and getting you ready for the U.S. Open. You could follow Will on t- Twitter at WillGrayGC. Will, thank you so much.
4: Always going to be with you guys.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to break that down and and uh, get some golf bets ready for the U.S. Open. Not sure how. No, to... I always, you know, I gotta
4: watch that show that you guys do next week because my, like my my uh my bankroll always dwindles doing the golf majors. You know what I'm saying? I have terrible luck doing the golf majors. So hopefully, I watch that program next week and do a little bit better.
2: No, he is incredible at handicapping golf, and of course, Drew is as well. And our tools available on NBC Sports Edge Truly, truly helpful. So hopefully we can get you a little value and and money out there for the U.S. Open. But for now, we're trying to make some money tonight. We're trying to find some value. Our favorite bet's on the board. It's edge of the day, Corey. This is where when you look at the entirety of the slate, wherever you want to go, prop, total, favorite bet on the board, what is yours?
4: My favorite bet on the board for tonight is going to be the Denver Nuggets. Right now, catching five and a half. We've seen that, nigga, that number come down from six. Now, listen, here's the thing the Phoenix Suns, very good team, very popular team. And I think we do get Denver as a trendy underdog tonight. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think there are two games none better than this Denver Nugget team. One thing about Denver and this Michael Malone coach team, they play very well in playoff series. In the last five playoff series, they three wins and two losses, one of those losses going all the way to a game seven. I don't see this as the type of thing that you can get up to 2-0 on. I think they split the series. I think they split the games here, and I think they go on the road. I like the Nuggets to win this series. So I'm going with the Denver Nuggets tonight, catching five and a half as my edge of the day.
2: Well, there is two-way action on this game. A lot of the times in the playoffs, we see one team being heavily bet. But over at points bet, 52% of the bets coming in on the Nuggets, 56% of the bets coming in on the Suns, meaning maybe not as much heavy, sharp action on the Suns as I would expect to see here. I'll take us to baseball. And as we know, you're a New York guy. And I'm in New York right now. And this is not why I'm going to that game as – if you're watching us live, you see my lovely hotel background. Yeah. I'm for the New York Yankees. I don't know. I got to New York all of a sudden. I feel like I need to bet on them. I'm taking oh, them. <laughs> I'm taking them on the run line versus the Twins. Minnesota having a very disappointing letdown season. I thought they were going to be an incredible team. They're not. We have Garrett Cole here. We could talk about the foreign substance, the issue going on in baseball. I'm going to stay away from that because regardless, I still like the Yankees on the run line. They could not lose this game. They're behind in the standings for the AL East. They're still a good team. He had a bad outing in his last ones against the Rays. I do not think we see that again tonight. Not to mention, besides that Garrett Cole has an ERA just around 2.26 and 104 Ks this season. The, the New York Yankees are facing Randy Dobnak, and this is where I think we can get a little bit of edge here. He's one and five, a 619 ERA. But if you look at his splits home in a way, he has struggled at target field at home as ERA. Then it becomes inflated to a 675. I saw the Yankees play last night. I do feel like things are coming together. I do not expect Garrett Cole has a bad outing back to back. I'm going to take the New York Yankees on the road at target field to cover the run line. Minus 115, I believe, as it stands right now, or 105. We'll see where this lands. So I'll be rooting for you, your New York Yankees tonight, Corey.
4: Well, I appreciate that. As long as you don't root for the Brooklyn Nets, I appreciate you rooting for a real New York team, unlike the characters that play in Brooklyn. That run line's up at 125 right now. So as soon as you hopped on it, everybody else Hi. ran and pushed People it up. People watching the- us 25. and said Sarah so. is now moving lines on pet the edge. That's what we're at.
2: I got to knock on wood here and just try to keep it going. I'm trying to find value. That's the name of the game, trying to get the best number. It's up to minus 125. And I might root for your Brooklyn Nets, but if you know me, there's one team I root for all the time, and the rest, I just root for whoever I'm on that night. So for tonight, I will root for the New York Yankees. Corey, thank you so much. We love having you on. Love your insight. Good luck with your wagers. And for everyone watching us on our brand new NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel, thank you so much for joining. And do not forget to rate and subscribe to podcasts. And, of course, head on over to NBC Hedge. SportsEdge.com. When you're done, we have so much info and tools to help you with your bets throughout the day and the week. And for those of you watching, we will see you back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. Good luck with all your wagers.